You've heard of Grammarly, and you might think it's a fancy spell check, but people on your team have been using it and loving it for years because it does way more than you realize. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner that works seamlessly across apps and websites and can write an instant first draft in a few clicks, not a few hours. When every word your team writes is clear, concise and on brand, companies can save 19 days per employee per year. Learn what better writing can do for your company at Grammarly.com. Grammarly. Easier said, done. The less your business spends, the more margin you keep. But today, everything costs more. So smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one proven platform, helping you reduce IT costs, maintenance costs, and manual errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash earnings right now. NetSuite.com slash earnings. That's really what's so exciting about this launch for a lot of people who have been disillusioned with the updates at Twitter as of late. I mean, they they have tried platforms like like Mastodon, like Blue Sky, like Post, you name it. There are so many Twitter competitors out there um, that haven't quite gotten the network that they need to truly be a threat to Twitter. And here is Meta, which has upwards of 3 billion users on its products around the world, um, and Instagram, which has a, a, a following structure similar to Twitter, where, where unlike Facebook, where you're friends with the people who are friends with you, on Instagram, you can follow people who are interesting. That is the same as the Twitter model, so it makes sense for them to say, we're having a, a Twitter copycat app over here, and you can choose to follow the same people you follow on Instagram, connect with those same people, and keep your handle, keep your verification. That, that means it's a very powerful head start um, for this app Threads if people choose to use it. Um, mm. And, and I, I do think it could be a, a major threat to Twitter. Let's ask you, Aisha, what a, I mean, we know Twitter's hard to sometimes elicit point, but since Linda Yaccarino's come in and taken over the CEO role, they have been much more communicative. Are you finding that they're worried? People you speak to, do they see it as a big threat? I mean, like Sarah said, I think it is a huge threat, right? You have the alternatives, as she mentioned, Post, Mastodon, Blue Sky, that just did not take off in the way that people thought they would. People went to those platforms, but then were not exactly enthused by maybe the user experience or not having enough people, not being able to take over the same handle. And so if Instagram can come in with threads and do all of those things and sort of solve a lot of those problems, I could see people moving over. Twitter has had a lot of changes uh, with the verification system and how you get blue check marks, having to pay for additional features. Let's Over the talk. past couple of days. Yeah, Aisha, limits. just dig into the limited usage because there's been more clarification over the holiday day yesterday and over the weekends. But what are you hearing about some of the pushback against the latest moves that Twitter itself says is to ensure authenticity? Yeah, I mean, people are not happy about the fact that you're going to be limited in the amount of tweets that you can see. And it is supposed to be a temporary measure, but the reason people go to Twitter is to be able to see tweets and to be able to see activity going on. And so when you start limiting that, that's concerning. Some people have also said maybe advertisers could be concerned about that, right? If if you, there's less tweets, that means there's less ads that people are seeing. So it, it's, it's challenging. Now, it is temporary. We don't know how long it's going to last, but there has been some pushback just on Twitter and just... Um, amongst users. Sarah, talking of pushback, there's 
Who is pushing back in the EU? We understand that Threads isn't going to be available there as soon as tomorrow if you're in the EU. Is this regulators saying, no, you can't do this? Or is this Meta saying, we are not bringing our innovation to you because of your stricter regulations? I think that that there's a little bit of of both going on. I think that um, you know regulators are are certainly concerned and saying you know if you're going to add this new product in the EU, there are other considerations around competition, around the fact that Meta already has um, you know all of the major social platforms. Do they really need another one? Um, there are the concerns about the the usual privacy details. I think there's just a little bit more to work out before they can launch there. I think I think that you know given Meta's global focus, they're going to want to launch there eventually, but for now they're going to want to establish this as a product that people want to use. And, and I think it's a really interesting time because on the across their other products, they're really moving away from text-based communication and towards short-form video. I mean, they're trying to take on TikTok on Instagram and and. Facebook right now. And so threads may be an option, not just for people who use Twitter, but for people who who want to just post about their lives in a text-based way and find that those kinds of content don't do as well on Instagram and Facebook the way that they used to. So it could be an interesting, more mainstream version of, of Twitter. What about the advertisers, Aisha? How much are companies looking to go towards a meta vis-a-vis Twitter? Well, I think advertising is a huge opportunity for meta with this, right? We Advertisers moved off of Twitter. Advertising revenue went down significantly since Musk took over. He said some advertisers have come back. But a lot of people left for all the reasons that we just outlined, right? Some of Musk's behavior, some of the changes to the platform. Already, advertisers are going to some Twitter alternatives. So it, it's a huge risk, I, I think, for Twitter. If meta can build a competitor and take away some of the issues that Twitter had with content moderation and so on and so forth. However, Twitter does have Linda Yaccarino, and she has a lot of industry experience. She has relationships. Twitter has made some changes recently. They've been talking more about brand safety, so they might be able to keep advertisers. I don't know. We'll see how it plays out. We'll have to wait with that cage match occurs as well. But for now, the figurative cage match is about to ensue as soon as tomorrow. Sarah Fryer, Asia Counts, thank you both so much for breaking that down. Meanwhile, coming up, Rivian started delivering the electric vans it makes for Amazon to Europe. And its first commercial shipments outside of the US. More on that next. This is Bloomberg. What if everyone at work were an expert communicator? What if every doc, message and email they wrote was perfectly clear and concise? Inbox numbers would drop, customer satisfaction scores would rise and everyone would be more productive. That's where Grammarly comes in. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner that understands your business and can transform it through better communication. Companies that use Grammarly save an average of 19 days per employee per year. That's because with Grammarly's AI, what used to take a few hours only takes a few clicks like generating an instant first draft in your company voice or tailoring a message to your specific audience and goals. And Grammarly's personalized on-brand writing help is built in everywhere your team works, across 500,000 apps and websites. Plus, it's safe, secure, and already IT-approved. Join 70,000 teams who trust Grammarly with their words and their data. Learn more at Grammarly.com. Grammarly. Easier said. Done. Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. 
It's dedication, it's fortitude, and it's the work, passion, and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition. That's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years, and it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest-growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has built a company and culture unlike any firm on Wall Street. Because success is the drive it takes to keep pushing. It's the passion to keep investing. It's the best of each of us, made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Find a financial advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company, Incorporated. Member SIPC and NYSE. Time now for Talking Tech. First up, Meta CEO Mark Zuckerberg is facing scrutiny in China. After a state-backed social media account published a scathing editorial on the Facebook co-founder. The first reported by Hong Kong newspaper that the editorial emerged after the Wall Street Journal reported that Meta was in talks with Tencent Holdings about selling its Quest VR headset in China. Zuckerberg has openly criticized Chinese censorship. Meta and Tencent didn't respond to requests for comment. Meanwhile, Spotify's CEO has raised over $65 million in venture capital to expand his medical startup. It's called Nico Health. Atomico, Lakestar, General Catalyst join in the investment as some of the company's biggest backers. The startup provides full body scans for skin and heart conditions over there in Sweden. Plus, Rivian. Well, it started delivering the electric vans it makes for Amazon to Europe. It's the first commercial shipments outside of the United States. Amazon will roll out more than 300 delivery vans in the coming weeks to German cities, including Munich, Berlin and Dusseldorf. Joining us to just talk through that a little bit more is Bloomberg News' Craig Trudell. So how big a deal is this for Rivian? Because the shareholders like it. Yeah, it's absolutely a big deal for Rivian. I think anytime there can be a sort of reminder of, of the ties to Amazon and the role that Amazon plays as a big customer is a good thing for Rivian. Not that uh, folks who know this company well and have been following it closely will, will forget that. Uh, but I, I do think this is a company that, you know, if we take a sort of step back and think about, you know, what's happened since their blockbuster IPO in late 2021, they've had a, a heck of a time getting production up and rolling. And so this is an indication that, you know, yet another indication indication that you know production is is kind of being smoothed out we saw that a little bit uh, earlier this week with uh, the production numbers that they reported mm. for the second quarter and the fact that they're able to now uh, you know not only uh, you know boost uh, deliveries uh, locally but start some exporting is a, is a positive sign for production going forward and positive coming from the analysts as well Needham analyst Chris Pierce lifting the price target after those production numbers DA Davidson the analyst there really upgrading the stock to neutral from an underperformance therein lies the fact that it has been underperforming, right? There has been a lot of worries and concerns. Just remind us of what's sort of been the chokehold on the production side of things. I mean, they, they were suffering from, you know, the, the issues that the broader industry had, has uh, for, for a couple of years now, right, of, of just uh, supply chain duress and the chip shortage. And just when we think that we're through that, now we have, you know, these concerns about these metals in China and whether or not, you know, that will be the latest, uh, you know, thing to, to slow down supply of semiconductors. I think one of the things that this uh, story speaks to, though, the, this idea of, of starting to ship uh, vans uh, to Europe is just the, the need for, 
uh, electrification in this commercial vehicle space and this role that Rivian could play in that. When you think about uh, sort of the biggest bang for your buck in electrifying things that are on the road, uh, if you can electrify these vans that do a ton of miles a day, that are doing uh, increasingly these last mile deliveries because of the rise of online shopping and deliveries in city centers, we know for a fact that you know cities want more of these on the roads. Uh, incumbent manufacturers are having a hard time meeting demand. Startups are having a hard time meeting demand. So if Rivian can get cranking on, on these vans, uh, we do know that there's a lot of, of uh, you know, interest in these if, if they can you know, sort of uh, follow through on this big order from, from Amazon for over mm. the next uh, half decade or so. 100,000 big order for the vans over the it's next decade. a lot of vans. It's a lot of vans. <laughs> most Craig Trudell, thank you so much for joining us. Welcome back to Bloomberg Technology. I'm Caroline Hyde in New York. Ed Ludlow, he's currently on assignment. Let's check in on these markets today, though, because we're pretty muted after the day of celebrations for July 4th. We're just off about a tenth of percent on the NASDAQ, and actually tech is outperforming the rest of the market, the rest of the market nervous about Chinese economy, the growth story, lackluster there when you look to the services number. Also, then, the NASDAQ 100 does manage to outperform in terms of the big names. We'll get into the individual movers as the support there. But look at the 10-year yield, once again, moving higher by six basis points. Remember, we get those FOMC minutes from the previous rate decision where they stood pat. They did nothing for the first time in 10 rate hikes. So we're interesting to see if there's any steer, any color as to just how divided the FOMC is in terms of tackling inflation here in the United States. Let's move on and have a look at some of the individual movers because we do have companies on the move. Meta Platforms, as I say, really the star performer today, up more than 3% as we anticipate that unveiling of threads as soon as tomorrow. Of course, their Twitter take on Intel off by 2%. And in fact, most of the chip stocks are down today as we worry about the geopolitical risk coming from China, the fact that they are limiting the materials, the rare earths in particular, that go into semiconductors, EVs, you name it, those two key materials that are going to be well, even harder to get a hold of, Intel on the downside. And Pegasystems, just want to show off this particular software company, and interestingly, up 14%, of course, a small company, but really getting a rating upgrade, as some analysts out there really feel that some of the legal headwinds are not something to be as agitated about as was previous, up 14%. Meanwhile, Let's talk a little bit about software and hiring in particular here in New York City. It's taking steps, in fact, the city is, to regulate artificial intelligence when it comes to hiring. Today, a new law comes into effect that requires companies using AI software in recruiting to notify candidates that an automated system is being used. It's also requiring companies to have independent auditors, check the technology annually for bias. Let's talk about all of that with George Wycamp of Bloomberg Law. And George, why is there potentially the threat of bias within these AI systems? So yeah, AI is used in all kinds of hiring mechanisms around the country, ranging from resume reviews to evaluating video interviews. It's all over the place. A 2022 survey from the Society of Human Resource Management showed that nearly one in four organizations use AI in some HR capacity. So it's really all over. There's a lot of concerns, and with that, there's a lot of concerns among lawmakers and advocates alike that these technologies, which are relatively novel, they haven't been in effect for that long, rely on data that bakes in prejudice because, you know, a lot of these systems, like a lot of other things, are being trained on historical data. Mm-hmm. And this data isn't perfect and could have a discriminatory bent. Okay, so talk us through the new requirements. First of their kind, coming from New York. What would a company have to do? How would they go about disclosing? Yeah, so the law on its face requires all New York City employees to independently audit their systems. That means they have to get an independent firm to audit. 
Um, it has to be done once a year, and they need to publicly disclose the results on their employment website. And the law also requires that these employers inform job candidates that they are using AI prior to their use in any kind of hiring mechanism. The law does not currently have any private right of action, meaning an individual, you cannot file an individual suit against an organization if, you don't, if they don't comply. But if an employer is to be found, found in violation of the law, they will incur a $500 fine on the first offense and a $1,500 fine on each subsequent offense. And, and some companies had actually fought back against it or at least lobbied against this new law and it had been tweaked around the edges, George. But I'm, I'm interested about uh, now it's officially enforceable. D does this become de rigueur across the rest of the states? What do we see in other cities? What do you think comes next? Yeah, so this is a first-of-the-nation law, and it's likely to be followed. There's been growing pressure in recent years for jurisdictions to regulate AI. It's been a high priority for the Equal for the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, which is the agency that's in charge of enforcing Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of, 19, of 1964. Excuse me. Some other states have laws on the books, Illinois and Maryland in particular. They have laws on the books that regulate AI in some extent for video interviews. But this is likely to be followed. And while right now this just applies to employers within New York City, it's something all employers need to be thinking about right now as they use artificial intelligence in any hiring capacity. Great roundup. George Wycamp, thank you so much at Bloomberg Law. I have a feeling we might be coming back to you at some stage soon. Meanwhile, let's take a deep dive into so-called artificial intelligence whisperers. Look, you can earn six-figure salaries and you don't even need any programming experience. Bloomberg's Conrad Quilty Harper met one of these prompt engineers, as they're known, to find just how to coax the best out of those large language models. Albert Phelps is a full-time prompt engineer, or as he describes it, an AI whisperer. I sat down with him to understand what's behind this increasingly coveted role that can pay up to six figures. So we're saying, you know, you're a highly creative and talented journalist working for Bloomberg News. Thank you. <laughs> and, you know, create an introduction to an article on prompt engineering in the house Bloomberg style. It's not got the kind of clean prose of Bloomberg, but <laughs> it's a bit flowery, I'd say. With the rise of large language models like GPT-3 and GPT-4, demand for a new kind of AI job is also growing. Prompt engineers spend their day coaxing the AI to produce better results and help companies train their workforce to harness the tools. The role can pay as much as $335,000 a year, and for many it doesn't even require a degree in computer engineering or advanced coding skills. I'd love to see how you spend your day. Um, could you maybe build me a demo of uh, a Bloomberg editor, let's say? Absolutely, let's go and do that. Okay. OpenAI's consumer-facing tool, ChatGPT, is pre-prompted. It's set up to be a helpful assistant. To be a professional prompt engineer, you have to get into the guts of the large language model. That means changing the default prompt. This is the chat, uh, the OpenAI playground, right? Yeah. So this is m a more advanced, more neutral, more powerful, customizable version of what you see when you load up ChatGPT. Yeah, exactly. What, what we're going to look to do is help you write some interesting content around different prompt engineering techniques. Uh, so this is, you're, you're making a, a sort of helpful assistant for me to write a story about prompt engineering as a Bloomberg journalist? Yes, okay. exactly, yeah. A seemingly semi-mystifying technique, prompt engineering is an action-packed interface between human creativity oh, and AI's yeah. data crunching power. 
Mm. Yeah, pretty. Uh, it's making me a bit sick. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. I think so. I think there's more work that we need to do. There are a few tips and tricks that Albert uses to improve his results. Change the temperature or the randomness of the output. Tell it to take things step by step and feed it a previously written article as an example. After 30 minutes of work, we didn't quite manage to replace my editor with AI, but the responses did get more useful as Albert added more context and instructions. One thing that I probably haven't done a lot of here is actually treating this as a dialogue is actually a really useful way often of getting mm -hmm. um, better results. Okay, we're getting somewhere now. There's a, uh, there's a germ of an idea that's interesting. Albert says prompt engineering has turned the English language into a programming language. He's had no technical education or programming experience. In fact, he studied history at university before starting his career as a consultant. He says his non-scientific background makes him more, not less qualified to wrangle AI tools. When it comes to fearing this technology replacing our jobs, he's not as concerned. And when will my editor just be a ChatGPT type model that we've developed together? I, I, th I would probably think of it the other way around. I think we as humans actually might become more like the editor. Mm -hmm. We'll outline what we want the model to do. We'll give it some test cases, we'll give it some examples. And then we'll be the ones essentially doing that, that mm -hmm. editing. Noble Arts, back on the rise. Prompt engineer Albert Phelps there, speaking with Bloomberg's Conrad Quilty Harper. Coming up, Runway, securing an additional $140 million in funding from some big names in the world of tech. I'm gonna sit down for an exclusive conversation with the CEO next. This is Bloomberg. What if everyone at work were an expert communicator? What if every doc, message and email they wrote was perfectly clear and concise? Inbox numbers would drop, customer satisfaction scores would rise, and everyone would be more productive. That's where Grammarly comes in. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner that understands your business and can transform it through better communication. Companies that use Grammarly save an average of 19 days per employee per year. That's because with Grammarly's AI, what used to take a few hours only takes a few clicks like generating an instant first draft in your company voice or tailoring a message to your specific audience and goals. And Grammarly's personalized on-brand writing help is built in everywhere your team works, across 500,000 apps and websites. Plus, it's safe, secure, and already IT-approved. Join 70,000 teams who trust Grammarly with their words and their data. Learn more at Grammarly.com. Grammarly. Easier said. Done. Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's dedication. It's fortitude. And it's the work, passion, and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition. That's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years. And it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has built a company and culture unlike any firm on Wall Street. Because success is the drive it takes to keep pushing. It's the passion to keep investing. It's the best of each of us, made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Find a financial advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company, Incorporated. Member SIPC and NYSE.
AI startup Runway, whose software can create a short video from just a few typed words, has raised $141 million in funding from the likes of Google, NVIDIA, Salesforce, and other investors. Joining us now, I'm pleased to say, is the CEO of Runway, Chris Valenzuela. Chris, congratulations. $141 million is actually an extension of your Series C. Was this inbound interest coming from these big players? Yeah, thank you for having me. Um, we've been working on Runway for now five years or so, and so very thrilled and, and excited to be partnering with, with the likes of Google, NVIDIA, and Salesforce on, on this new round that extends our kind of like bandwidth and capacity to continue innovating on core research that we've been working on since the release of Gen 1 and Gen 2, which are video generation models. Uh, there's still a long way to go, but we're excited about taking this new funding to improve and um, scale our research efforts. And it's interesting, isn't it, that previously been raising money from the big VC names, but now it seems like it's strategic investors coming in. How do you think their interest was piqued and wanting to come in and do this extension? Sure. I mean, there are different parts of, of I would say, the development of these models. And, and you can think about it as two phases. The first phase is building the baseline foundational models. And that takes a lot of time and, and, and kind of like work and engineering kind of like efforts. The, the second part is kind of, I would say, the, the phase that we're in right now, which is getting these models out to more people, to more customers, to most enterprises. And that being able to work with companies like Google and Bidian Salesforce really like speeds up that and allows us to innovate at the speed that we need to innovate. We're entering that phase of, of um, development that requires a different set of like attitudes and I would say uh, research kind of like mentalities. And so still early, but uh, excited to be working with some of the best companies in the world. And of course, Chris, I mean, you haven't disclosed your valuation, but we understand it's thereabouts of one and a half billion dollars. Just talk to us about the costs from your side. You're going to be using this to, of course, beef up team to keep on creating, innovating. But the compute power must be massive. Is that something where a Google comes in? I think there are two parts, again, of, of, the, of the stage of where we are with these generative models. And, and, and video models and image models tend to work very different with uh, the, the language models that perhaps are the ones that are more discussed nowadays. Uh, for video models and for image models, there's a scale component on the infrastructure side of things and making sure that models are fast and reliable and you can train large video models. It's a, it's a, it's a complex task. So we're putting a lot of resources on making that happen with state-of-the-art technology and, and research and, and compute. But on the other side, there's so much on the infrastructure that needs to get built that hasn't yet been built that also requires a lot of effort and time and great people to build. We are an incredibly small team that's been really pushing the boundaries of the field for the last four or five years since we, since we started on, on building these models and these technologies. And so really making sure that you can work with the best on both the research aspects and the engineering aspects, it's really important. And the, the resources will go per, pretty much to both ends on the research and engineering side as well. Uh, and you have been working on the infrastructure side a lot already. Chris, yeah, in layman's we, terms, can you tell us like some of the issues there? What actually, what architecture you need to build to scale at the rate you want to? For sure, that's a great question. So if you think about it really uh, on Gen 1 and Gen 2, which are two of the uh, video generation models we just released, uh, and I say just because it's only been like four or five weeks since we did it, um, there's so much work that goes into making these models uh, do what they're about to do, which is generate video, right? You're generating video. If you stop for a minute and think about it, you're generating video with words, which five years ago, 10 years ago, would have thought to be like impossible or very hard. Almost feels like, like magic these days. 
Um, and so making sure that you can do that, it's in itself a very technical, difficult fit. And, and so research has gotten to, to a point where we're able to kind of like generate the videos you're, you're seeing right now. And mm. those are just being generated with words. But then on the other side of things, um, this is a very complex infrastructure uh, that allows anyone really with a mobile phone or a desktop application or an internet connection to be able to do this. And in order to do that, you need to have an inference and a streaming service that's able to generate those frames almost on a real-time basis. Our videos take like 40 seconds to generate, which is, which is fast, and we're making sure we can reduce that to hopefully at some point or at some time do it on a real-time basis. So everything that we need to build um, to make that happen hasn't been built because these models and this technology didn't exist literally mm -hmm. uh, a couple of months ago. And so really from the Garona, um, uh, we, we think of ourselves as a full-stack company, which which we ask or we, we ask ourselves to be able to build everything that allows you to deploy these models to our filmmakers and studios and creative companies around the world that are already using and leveraging this technology. I've been using and not really leveraging, but interested in it and playing around with, with Gen 2 today. And it's nice. beautiful, some creations that you make, but it's interesting that sort of faces are the area that perhaps aren't that easy to provide. And also the way in which you have to have an abundance of caution. How are you thinking about some of the, well, still evolving regulation and the way in which that you can ensure content remains, well, moderated in some way, really? First, and we take safety extremely uh, uh, seriously in runway. We have a team dedicated just to make sure we have the right filters and safety policies in place. And so we're taking an obviously cautious approach here. Um, the analogy I've been trying to, uh, I guess, really think about and, and, and best communicate the stages of development that we're in with these models is to think about this as a new kind of camera, right? So we're putting a, a new kind of camera in the hands of filmmakers and artists, and there's new norms and new policies and new kind of like ways of using this technology that will have to be evolved and created as we start improving the quality of these models. Again, these are very new models and so there's there's a long way to go. By taking a very, I would say, opinionated matter of making this technology safe and, and really the important aspect here is controllable. Like these tools are tools for artists that are meant to augment a creative process. And so by making sure that you can do, use them in a safely environment, in a creative environment, for us it's always been and would always mm. be our priority. Are actors right to be worried uh, in the way that we're currently seeing? No, I think, you know, um, most of, uh, of, of, uh, of the usage of the overall thoughts around uh, video and AI video generations comes from this idea that you're going to be able to, like, just type in a few words and generate a Hollywood movie. The truth is that that's, that's far from being actually the, the case. These are tools that are, would allow you to iterate faster on your processes, on your ideas, on your projects, uh, but in no mean they're trying to replace anything. They're just augmenting those things. And so perhaps the question is like how fast and how easier are we going to be able to shoot and do a scene with an actor in the way that perhaps we couldn't today because it's either too expensive or too time consuming these days to do it. Chris, great talking to you. Thank you on the funding round Thank and the you. growth. Chris Valenzuela, he's the Runway CEO. Let's talk streaming wars and the costs involved. Amazon CEO Andy Jassy is taking a hard look at how the company's Hollywood studio spends on original TV programming and kind of wondering why its shows seem to cost more than Netflix's. Bloomberg's Chris Palmieri is here to break it all down and we know they're on a cost-cutting focus. We know the jobs that are being shedded. It's an obvious place to look, the content. Why is it ending up more expensive? Well, they did this massive pivot. If you remember when Amazon started in video, they were going to use their sort of experiences in books and find out 
these sort of arty shows that people they thought their book customers might want to watch. If you remember programming like Transparent, and and then then they uh, Jeff Bezos said, "I want a Game of Thrones," and they started this massive spending push. Uh, we saw the Ring of Power, the Lord of the Rings spinoff. And massive shows like Citadel, which has kind of been a disappointment from the Russo brothers this year. And so now, uh, as you mentioned, Andy Jassy, the CEO, is taking a hard look, calling the entertainment executives uh, to headquarters. We're asking for detailed uh, accounts of their spending, including the big shows. It's part of an overall sweep of what Hollywood's doing, looking at spending in the streaming wars. Uh, but, you know, exacerbated by Amazon's situation. And is there any way that they can reduce the costs without crimping on some of the wins here? Or indeed the fact that look, they're investing because they want to keep us addicted to the broader Amazon offering, not just, of course, Amazon Prime. Well, that's always been the argument and why sort of Amazon's uh, video business has been so much under the radar, because they have this ulterior motive, which is just get people subscribing to the Prime service and, and, and lock them in for shipping and all kinds of purchases. Uh, uh, but, you know, they, they can't do that forever and not, you know, face the reality, which is is everybody's just been spending too much money on TV shows. It looked like the era of peak TV has, uh, has finally arrived. That's for sure. Just as the economy takes a turn, of course. Chris Palmieri, thank you so much for joining us. I hope you feel a little better. Meanwhile, let's have a look at what's happening in terms of Rivian's first commercial shipment outside the U.S. Of course, Rivian, based upon Amazon in many ways, providing their vans, electric vans. Who other than Ed Ludlow is the expert for this? And he's getting ready for a pretty key interview on the back of it. Ed, where exactly are you? Surprise. Just touched down in Southern California, and we are heading over to Rivian's HQ in Irvine for a conversation with RJ Skinner, who's the CEO. You're absolutely right. It's been a strange week. I think Rivian's up for a sixth consecutive session, trading at a February high. It's been a real turning point for the company, and they posted production, quarterly production and delivery figures above Wall Street expectations this Monday. The stock has a lot of momentum. But remember, this is a company that went from the euphoria of the biggest IPO since Facebook's, now known as Meta, to a horrible 2022 where it was the second worst performer on the Nasdaq 100 and then got taken off the Nasdaq 100. So those two key pieces of news are what we're going to be talking about, Karen. And we've started to see analysts change their tune, haven't we, Ed? We've started to see DA Davidson and some of the other analysts really deciding that now might be an opportune time to buy. The headlines are looking more positive. What's the headline you want to create today? What do you really want to understand? from RJ. Yeah, I want to understand why they're not doing more. You know, the, the factory in normal Illinois is capable of building many more than the 50,000 EVs that they've guided investors on for this year. Also just really interested in RJ Scarry. She's 40 years old. He founded this company in 2011, had the big IPO in 2021. I just want to ask him, is he having fun? You know, being a founder CEO is a rare thing in this day and age. Um, but he is really at the cutting edge of their engineering, running the business. He's brought people in. But the question is, why is Rivian not ahead at this point? They're still kind of lumped in with that large pack of EV startups that are suffering. But Rivian's actually producing its scale. Well said. Ed Ludlow battling some of the tannoys over there in the airport. Thank you so much for bringing us what we're really excited about. A live interview a little bit later with Ed Ludlow and, of course, the Rivian CEO, RJ Scaringy. Heard a little bit of what he wants to get out of that particular conversation. We can't wait for it. Meanwhile, that does it for this edition of Bloomberg Technology. Do not forget to check out the podcast. You can find it on the terminal as well as online on Apple, Spotify and iHeart. From New York and from Southern California, this is Bloomberg.
Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.